0: Are you a small business owner? Or someone who has a real interest in building your own brand? Then deep dive into the UP Consulting Group's Business Building Bootcamp, the annual convention and training camp for entrepreneurial spirits. Join us this March 5 and 6 to discover how you can unlock your business potential. This program is brought to you by ParcelBear. ParcelBear is the first eco-friendly courier service in the metro. They use craft paper and corn mailers for their packages and deliver the next day. But they are more than just a courier service. ParcelBear envisions their service to be the most friendly and trustworthy in the industry. For more information, visit www.weparcelbear.com. Based on the Young Blood column of the Philippine Daily Inquirer,
1: this is the Young Blood Podcast stories written by the Filipino youth that inform, empower, and inspire.
0: I'm your host, Leah Angela Shoko. One of the many things that Kevin has done while quarantining in the comfort of his home is connecting to his family's heritage. The medium through which he did this is music, and he tells us more about this in his personal essay, The Missing Vinyl.
1: My mother once shared that Lola Rudy recorded a famous song back in the day, his own version of a song cover, which is how it would be regarded these days. He had a beautiful voice, she told me in Tagalog, as she recounted good old memories with her late father. It's too bad we never acquired a copy of that vinyl. Singing was my grandfather's way of wooing women. He was a mestizo guy with wavy hair, pointed nose, and a gentle smile. No wonder he was popular with the ladies. It's heartwarming to know though that despite such a reputation as youth, he and Lola Mila danced through the years together, thick and thin, until death parted them. I never heard Lola sing. I was young when he left us. It was my grandmother who had a chance to listen to as she sang songs in her vernacular. Although I don't understand the Visayan language, having been born and raised a Lagunense, I've always felt something tender and wonderful inside me while listening to her. I often complimented Lola Mila on her singing, only for her to tell me that it was Lola Rudy who could sing really well. My siblings and I enjoy singing too, although we are far from being as talented as our grandfather probably was. We sing a lot. We go from Beatles to Bamboo, from Tiffany to M.I.M.P., from Michael to Rock to Ben & Ben. And not only do our favorite genres of music vary, but also our concert arenas and schedule. In the bathroom early in the morning, in the living room in the afternoon, or in our bedroom in the middle of the night. Show us a karaoke and we'll be itching to grab hold of the microphone. I'd always wondered where this fondness for music came from. At first I thought it was just the Filipino in us, but now I know it's more than that. When I asked mother the title of the song that Lola recorded, she said it was called A Certain Smile. She wasn't sure if the singer, so I had to look it up online and listen with her to make sure. I played the first video that showed up, which was from an artist named Johnny Mathis. That's it, my mother said. We listened together quietly. Until the song ended. Mother said the singer's voice sounded very much like my grandfather's. I will never be able to hear Lola Ruda sing. And perhaps it's impossible for us to find a copy of his recording. But doesn't matter anymore. We now have this song and his memory of recording it. Most of all, we have the special appreciation for music. Same love for music he and ola had available in us whenever we need it.
0: Kevin's essay was published last November 12, 2020. He's here with me today on a call all the way from Laguna to talk about his love for music, his heritage, and why he thinks it's important for everyone to know one's origins and learn how to appreciate it. First off, welcome to the Blood podcast, Kevin. How are you? How is your 2021 so far?
1: Thank you for inviting me here. My 2021 has been exciting for me because of opportunities and basically a start for all of us.
0: Amazing. I hope it keeps being like this good vibes kind of thing up until the very end. And hopefully, of course, COVID ends pretty soon. Yes. So thanks for sharing. Yes. <laughs> I want to ask you an icebreaker question Are you ready for it? Go for it. All right. So, if you had an extra hour every day, what would you want to do with it? and why?
1: I would probably spend it with my family and friends, talking with them. I know it sounds cliche, but that's actually what I want to do, however shallow the topic of our conversations might be. Growing older, I have found a sense of beauty in maintaining communication with important people in my life, especially now with the pandemic. It's not only just about taking your mind off your work or the whole confusing experience of the pandemic, but the sense of communication or maintaining communication with your family members and your friends is important these days to really check on them and how they are. So I would probably spend my extra hour of every day talking with them.
0: For sure. And that's like a great way to kind of end the day with like a dinner or just a quick meal, talking to them maybe. What a simple but a great answer. So thank you for sharing. Yes. Okay, so I guess now's the time to dive right into your essay. I want to know first why you wrote it and why you sent it to the Bean Inquirer. So basically, what is your young
1: blood story? As for the inspiration for the article, this is in connection with my answer earlier of spending time and talking with people that are important to me. Specifically for this one, it's with my mother. During one of our conversations, she shared with me about this information that my grandfather recorded a song back in the day and I never took any family member of ours to be musically inclined to such an extent of actually doing something about it. And since I had already written something about my grandmother before, I wrote an essay about my maternal grandmother. I made it somewhat a goal to also write about my grandfather. And that information my mother shared provided a springboard to know more about him. And as for the writing itself, I wrote it during the pandemic. And like many of us, I was feeling down then. what with the uncertainties in terms of our work, school, and pretty much everything. Uh, However, while writing it, I found a certain sense of optimism. I don't know. But to be honest, I was smiling while writing it. I don't know why. But the experience of knowing my grandfather more, finding that sense of commonality in terms of finding joy in music in our own ways, of course, provided Mm -hmm. a ray of light. And although I had second thoughts of sharing it at the time, when most of what was being published in Youngblood or in major publications in general was all about experiencing the pandemic, I thought that maybe it would provide a sense of relief, Mm -hmm. a sense of break from the consumption or exhaustion we were experiencing with the pandemic. So I opted to submit it to maybe provide a sense of inspiration to others as well.
0: So it was basically like a gift. You know, for me, definitely it was a breath of fresh air. So thanks for that. And it's extremely personal, right? It goes back not just to yourself, but also to your family's roots, which is something that I find very interesting because not a lot of people always find interest in that. I feel like, especially for our generation, we think that it's uncool or a little irrelevant. (laughs) But for you, you actually have that interest. So what was your reaction when you found out that your personal essay got published?
1: I... I think I submitted it early October and then it was published in November. So in my mind, I was only giving it at least maybe two weeks or three weeks for it to be published. And then if it won't be published, that means it did not go through. So when I found out about it, I think someone informed me. I was happy. I was really happy because it somehow validated that purpose that I wanted for it to be some sort of break from the experiences of being in a pandemic. And I'm not invalidating the expression of others. I think it's important. However, I thought just maybe a little space for a new flavor would provide inspiration or will give a little bit of a different angle on how we can see life in general. And it was exciting for me.
0: Yeah, for sure. And what about your mom or probably your siblings? I mean, it's one thing for you to see your name on the byline and your story published. What about them? Because there's this thing about people you write about. Sometimes they feel like you didn't project them in the way that they want to be seen. Or they feel like you didn't talk more about them as they wish that you would. So what was it like for them? Did they give comments or suggestions? Basically any reaction from them?
1: With my mother, or actually with the entire family, but specifically with my mother, she's no longer (laughs) surprised when I write something about us, about our family, our everyday lives. Since I think 2018 or 2019, I used to post long written texts on my Facebook timeline, just share my thoughts and experiences. And every now and then, she would read them, and she would identify her name as being part of the story. During the first few times, she was commenting about it, but later on, she got used to it, and she just shared with me her thoughts. Specifically for this one, she was just happy that I was able to come up with something about our grandfather. Mm -hmm. I think she's a tapas girl. (laughs) So it somehow also brought a smile on her face, knowing that it's not just about her or me, but someone we haven't really thought of or talked about for a long while.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned writing about your experiences on Facebook or sharing them and even going in-depth on this personal life level. So I was wondering how did you become this writer slash sharer that
1: you are today? I started just like the other writers you interviewed before started with campus journalism. Specifically for me, I started when I was in college as part of the campus paper. Prior to that, I think from elementary to high school, I was more interested in visual arts. But upon learning more about campus journalism and all the experiences that came with it, I found comfort in writing. My appreciation for writing was furthered by Filipino writers who have been inspiring me up to this point. Even the act of sharing my thoughts on Facebook came from these writers. They are, for example, Sir Josolito de Reyes is a professor in UST, Sir Eros Atalia, Sir Dani Castiglione is also an artist. Sir Wilfredo Pascual, one of the best essays for me, and Sir Jade Marca Capinianes. Specifically, Sir Joey, or Sir Hasalito Sir was our judge during the RHEPC, that's a tertiary level competition for campus journalism. And from his talks, I was able to learn more, or actually to be enticed to learn more about Philippine culture and Philippine writing in general. So that's how I started writing, or that's where these writing experiences came from. As for essay writing or creative non-diction, it is now a genre I am finding comfort in. In a sense, I find a sense of empowerment, a sense of agency when writing essays in such a way that although we have no complete control of what's happening in our lives, especially with the pandemic, I have a say on how to look at it and how to frame those experiences. I think it's a reflection of the social constructionism thoughts that how our reality is shaped by us. In a way, it gives me an impression that we may not know how things will go, but we have the power on the telling, founded on our sense of truth as to how we experience our reality or our...
0: Yeah, for sure. Wonderfully put. And I want to touch on that because for personal writers, for personal essayists... It's the complete opposite of the Chinese box. Are you aware of that? Specifically, Chinese gift box? Not really. So, Chinese gift boxes are these big boxes. And then inside the big boxes are smaller boxes. And inside that smaller box is an even smaller box. So, basically, like, when you open the box, there's another box and another box another box until you reach the smallest box. And in that smallest box, I think there's, like, a gem or something or probably, like, the gift the gist of it all but basically for personal essays is like the complete opposite so you start with yourself so you start small from the smallest box and then you kind of connect that to the larger scheme of things exactly and you don't have to do it explicitly yeah if you kind of input your thoughts or maybe your philosophy you are in a way doing that
1: exactly i remember you also sharing about when it comes to essay writing the most personal is the universe or something like that Mm -hmm. you mentioned that before and i really like that idea when it comes to writing essays or personal essays in general. I've been keeping that in mind because before I kept on holding back when it comes to writing essays because I'm afraid that I might just talk about all about myself, you know? Yeah, exactly. You may be self-centered and such that People or readers may look at me as if I'm just this pompous person or self-centered person. But I come to realize that, yes, just like you put it very beautifully when you said, the most personal is universal. Mm -hmm. Not unless we concretize our experience in such a way that any person would like to read our articles. If we would really shape it or show them how we feel, how we experience things, then that is the only time they would be able to also get to what we are trying to say.
0: Yeah. Thank you for quoting me. I wish it was my original idea. But honestly, it was from another book, basically. And if you're interested, if the listeners are interested, I think one book that I think is ought to be read by those who want to get into personal essay writing is the nonfiction help book by Anne Lamott it's called Bird by Bird Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a really wonderful book and I remember what she said something about starting from the very personal doesn't mean that you're self-centered or you don't care about the world in a way you're using yourself to see the world and in a way you're showing that oh it's for everyone it's not just for me And it's interesting that you said when you write about yourself, you're in a way writing about the human nature. And human nature, as we know it, is something that we all have in common. We're all in a way kind of selfish, a little bit dramatic. You know, we're a little bit of OA and at the same time practical. So when you... Put that on paper and specifically use yourself as that character, as that protagonist, while keeping that empathy detached or at bay, you're basically a creative fiction writer as well. I mean, just in a different setting. And I think that's really interesting. I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like (laughs) I'm just spitballing. But basically, I just really wanted to touch on that. That personal essay writing should be just as celebrated as fiction or poetry or music which you wrote about. In your essay, you wrote about your love for Tiffany, the MYMP, to Michael Learns to rock, and the Ben & Ben. So the statement kind of makes me wonder if you consider yourself a musician or maybe just a music enthusiast. So I want to know where you got that passion, I guess, or just interest in music, and how did you develop that?
1: Okay, I really wish I were a singer, but I am not a singer or a musician in any way. <laughs> Although music has been a big part of my life, I like listening to different genres of music from quote-unquote old music to pop music. And even to this day, I am actually trying to learn more about this K-pop phenomenon. I used to have a negative look when it comes to k-pop but now i am opening myself more to different kinds of music and i think that instead of just opposing or having negative thoughts about it just learn more about it because if people are listening to this kind of music then maybe it's really doing something and that's Something that we can reflect on. But going back to your question, again, I'm not a singer, a musician anyway. But in our family, we enjoy music a lot. We sing a lot. It seems like not a day would pass without any of us singing. Let's say, like, walking around the house, doing the dishes, doing the laundry. And especially when someone plugs in the karaoke at home, I have never experienced having a soul performer in the house. One moment later, someone will come and sing as well until... (laughs) All of us would sing one song and I find beauty in that and something that I always enjoy experiencing with my family.
0: Mm-hmm. for sure i feel like karaoke life or karaoke moments are inevitable in the philippines even if you're not remotely interested in it or engaged in it you can't help but see people around you who are i feel like it's inculcated in our culture exactly so i definitely understand where you're coming from
1: but uh, just a quick question do you sing as well or are you in musician in any way just curious
0: Oh my gosh, thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. No, check out my YouTube channel. I'm just kidding. No, I feel like everyone has that musicality, That's right. so to speak. Even I don't consider myself like the best singer, but I sing for sure. Yes, I was part of the choir. you sample.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, now that you mentioned it
0: right now, it's a wonderful <laughs> weather. I don't want it to rain. So, <laughs> but yeah, definitely. I feel like music is one thing that I would never want to disappear if there was one sound on earth that I could just listen to all over again it would probably be music for sure Mm -hmm. and specifically the kind of music that I'm into right now I guess is just classical and a mix of country because it helps me not just get my nerves down whenever I do something but also I guess there's that psychology that when you listen to classical (laughs) music you get a little more (laughs) I I don't know I was in college yeah I tried that I tried a lot because I genuinely don't think that I'm that level of smart, or I don't even think I'm smart at all. So I have to force myself to think. How do I get there? How do I get there? And so that kind of pushes me to read more, to play chess. Even I remember when the Queen's Gambit dominated Netflix, I was ever since playing chess every single day. I kind of went back to my eight-year-old self because when I was eight, I was professionally trained to play chess, wow. and yeah, I was part of the varsity team. And then I re- right after high school, and after my stint as a varsity chess player just literally stopped and then when the queen's gambit aired ta-da, you know what i'm gonna play chess again so maybe i'm kind of like a different person every single time i i see a film but yeah definitely consider myself a musician Get the very level one probably even negative level but yeah i love to sing for sure what about you you mentioned you're not singing but i'm sure that you have that musicality within you i feel like in any way like you said you sing when you're doing your laundry or you're probably doing the dishes or whatever so what's that like
1: no, it's just <laughs> for fun, I guess. Singing is just like a natural thing in our family that we do. Like if there's nothing else to do. And then the fun thing about it, for example, I would sing something. And then from the other room, I will hear my mother singing along and then my father or someone else until we're actually singing out loud. It's fun, but sometimes I keep on wondering how our neighbor feels about us. Yeah, exactly.
0: Thanks for bringing that up. But you know what, let's make your episode unique. Let's do a little jamming session. In our setup call, I let you listen to Driver's License. How did you find it?
1: I listened to it again I think last week mm-hmm. I haven't memorized it, the song but I, I find I find <laughs> it nice especially because she's a Filipino singer I'm a bias with that one
0: mm-hmm. yeah she's half Filipina I'm not even sure if mm, how much but I'm sure she has Filipino blood because I looked her up after her song blew up so do you want to do the backup while I sing the chorus I'm just kidding sure. <laughs> but yeah I, I really love that song it, it's extremely and just going back connecting that to personal essays I feel like what made it really stick is because it's stuck to just one situation.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So in a personal essay, there's a situation and a story and I've learned, I realized that in most love songs, there really isn't a specific situation. It's just love in general and it kind of goes all over the place. Suddenly it's from bars and then suddenly it's about cuddling together in the middle of the night. But for her, her situation was extremely narrowed down to just driving in the car. And it made it easier, I guess, for listeners, or at least for me, to really go deep instead of going wide. So her song, comparing to an essay, was narrow in a sense that it just focused on one situation. But it was a deep story because it just focused on that one thing instead of focusing on heartbreak and love in general all
1: Wow. I, I like how you bridge those two things or two concepts into one. Now I'm going to consider more things as well. I like that. I like that.
0: Yeah, because I feel like they're both, in a way, writing, right? When you write a song, it's completely different. But then It's still the same essence. You still write. And a lot of principles still apply the writing songs that also apply the writing personal essays. So yeah, I think that's what made it. Also, of course, she was a beautiful singer. I just don't want to credit her writing skills and focusing on the narrow specific situation. But also, she has a very good vocal range. Yeah, I think a few days ago, she appeared live on the Fallon show, the T-Fallon, whatever. I I forgot. It was (laughs) live. And oh my gosh, her voice is amazing. Amazing. So yes. it was acoustic version, So it was slower. But yeah, I super loved it. I hope if I had her voice, I would never stop singing. Anyway, going back to personal essays, you mentioned that you are that kind of person who just shares. And so I would say that you are a personal essayist. I think you should consider yourself as a personal essayist. So I want to know how you became this open person. Like you're not really intimidated to share your life story, even like the most personal ones on paper. So how do you develop that part of you?
1: This one is really in connection with the writers I mentioned earlier. They are the ones who set like a frame or an avenue for me or a concept for me to just share what's on my mind and share to the world. They post their thoughts, maybe everyday lives or politics or whatever. And that somehow inspires me as well to share my thoughts. I was very active doing that a few years ago, especially 2019. But during 2020, during the pandemic, I kind of held back. That's why I chose from Facebook. I'm now sharing more on Instagram with fewer people. I don't know, but a thought came to me that maybe the world or the social media world was experiencing too much of personal things that somehow I should consider others' feelings. You know, because what I share on Facebook were very personal ones. And I thought maybe it's my turn to listen instead of just forcing out my thoughts, I would be listening more about their thoughts than just crowding the (laughs) Facebook wall. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense. Exactly,
0: yeah, it does, it does. I mean, sometimes you just gotta take a break and stop. I totally agree. So you said that you were once extremely open and now you're kind of taking a step back. But going back to the former, what advice do you have for people who want to be more open?
1: I think it's more about your purpose for sharing something. For me, if my purpose is just for my personal gain, or for example, it won't make that much of a difference. At least that's how I see it. I try to, say, reserve it for a different avenue or a different time. But when it's something that's really important to you and you know that it can influence others a, a positive way, especially, then share it and be open. I'm pretty sure that with hundreds and thousands of your friends, especially on Facebook, you will be able to connect with someone. And that, I think, is the most important thing, especially during this time, finding a sense of commonality and finding someone out there in the world, despite of our distance now, physically, and that we still have that someone who can relate to us and we can relate to.
0: For sure. And can you tell us about the work you do now? So what does a typical week in your life as a graduate student at UP look like in the middle of all this COVID chaos?
1: I'm currently working on my thesis and also uh, working in an office. But much of my thesis is done online. So more of consultation with my professors. And I'm lucky that I was done with the coursework with the subject. So I think my situation is not as Difficult as most students who are having complete load per semester Mm because just now I have three units, so that's one for thesis. And the good thing about that is my professors are very encouraging and very considerate and they keep an open line. So for me, when it comes to schoolwork itself, I can say that it's easier than... The others? Mm -hmm. Like it's a breeze. Yes, exactly. Uh, But when it comes to work, work is something that's been consuming my day-to-day life. That sometimes after work, even though you want to, you know, do a little bit of your project or your schoolwork, you can't do it because you just want to lie down and such. But generally, I think I can still manage it. And I'm just thankful that somehow people in school and people in uh, work and even my family are very supportive and understanding with my situation. That's a good thing especially this time.
0: Mm -hmm. That's good to know. And you brought up about your thesis, and I'm interested, what is it about?
1: Oh, I would like to talk about it Uh, because I'm taking up Master of Arts in Communication Arts, still within the sphere of communication. But specifically, it's all about folklore, folktale. It's about Maria Makiling and uh, the construction of Los Baños Laguna folks uh, of her from their personal experiences, from their stories. So it's like creating a portraiture of Mary Makiling from the people themselves who are living beside or uh, within the vicinity of Mount Makiling. So I really find it interesting and I'm enjoying it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I really didn't appreciate that part of our Filipino culture, you know, the myths or the folklores or just the weird practices that our ancestors did up until my time at UP. Because at UP undergrad for context. I'm studying applied math, but then we have these required courses on Wika and ECON, you know, stuff that are not really the applied math, but then we're required to take them. And what I realized for specifically Wika was that the culture of our ancestors shape us and really make our identity. And so that's what is making them
1: important. Exactly. And somehow this thesis of mine is... Bridging or strengthening my respect and my value with the past just like with the article It's a tribute to my grandfather who belonged to my past, but still resonate to my and our family's present So my thesis somehow just like that as well how our oral tradition how it helped shape us and still shaping us somehow in one way or another with our notion of everyday lives how we interact with others and our sense of identity as a collective a group.
0: Exactly. And also, not just the myths and the stories and the folklores, but also our language itself, like Filipino. I feel like a total hoax because I'm speaking English and <laughs> I can confidently say that I'm more fluent in English than I am in Filipino. But sinusubukan ko naman kahit I feel like it's important really to speak your language because it's basically the sign of a country or a nation's freedom and its independence. And I really didn't realize that until these dynamic discussions in class, and I feel like you also have had the experience for you to say that, oh, Filipino culture is very important and we must never look past. I mean, look, I look away from what we've come from, from what our ancestors did.
1: And I just want to tap on that uh, what you mentioned about uh, our appreciation more about language. I also had the just realization later in my life. Just to share, my grandmother is a Visaya. She came from Samar. And she's the only uh, Visaya, she's the only person with a Visayan tongue in the family. And before, we were just picking up a uh, word here and there. But we never really paid much attention or even a deliberate action to learn the language. And right now, that's one of my frustrations and one of my regrets of not uh, learning more about the Visayan language. Uh, Philippines uh, in general is composed of many ethnic groups with different languages. I find very beautiful but it's not most of us are really appreciating the multiplicity of our identity that, that in general represent us as a country composed of many islands.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. Thank you for that. I feel like We have a lot, but we don't really make the most out of it because we've been colonized. And especially for countries and not just our country who've been colonized, it gives us that feeling that we are small and that what we have is not enough. And so we always look up to our colonizers or other nations that have not gone through as much hardship as our nation has. And so that's why I feel like we have that kind of a little bit of crab mentality if that makes sense which i'm guilty of
1: yes (laughs) but i don't think so not because uh, our language actually is not just the measure or the gauge of our sense of identity and nationality but our value for the culture itself for the nation itself and i think that what you're doing right now you are inspiring us philippine writers that's one way of also promoting philippines in general so I i commend you for that
0: Yeah, thank you. And actually, that's also one thing that we're trying to work on. We're partnering with a youth organization which we featured before. It's called Algo Filipino. And we are in the process of finalizing details about our plans of translating the featured essays into Filipino. So all of these Episodes, or at least maybe just the featured essays, will have a version in our native wow. th- tongue, in our native language.
1: Wow, that's
0: nice. Yeah, so I feel like it's something that I feel is important because it would be super ironic if we'd be saying stories written by the Filipino youth, all written <laughs> in the American tongue, you know? So I'm trying to bridge that and
1: correct it in a way. That's a nice project. And just to uh, tap on something that we mentioned earlier about uh, about Filipi- Filipino culture and specifically Filipino language, um, I've, I've been seeing a lot of work these days, especially in when it comes to workshops, inviting submissions even in local languages. So I think that is one of the movements that uh, further the empowerment, appreciation, and yes, general appreciation for Filipino language languages and the dialects as well and what you're going to do with this translation, i think that's a really really commendable job
0: thank you thank you um yeah it's i guess my way of giving back i really grew up not viewing filipino specifically the language as the best thing and now i'm kind of thinking otherwise because of everything i've learned also everything that i've recently been exposed to so Big thanks also <laughs> to UP and my profs. So, yeah. And you talked about this earlier. We're talking about it now. What do you want to say to our listeners who may be trying to connect to their heritage in any way from their family heritage or like what we're talking about, their national heritage?
1: Hmm. Um, I think the key is a sense of curiosity and really an, an interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, asking questions to your family or friends will lead you to more n- to know more about your heritage. Uh, there is always a sense of wisdom, knowledge that we can learn from our past. Uh, a sense of identity as a person, as a member of a group. Uh, taking our notion of the past as antiquarian or taking away from it. Our present condition is also uh, related to our past to, to an extent. Whatever we find out, however big or simple it may be, is something we can cherish and reflect on. So I think that uh, a sense of interest, a sense of curiosity to know more about, to getting out of your, let's say, your day-to-day life or your comfort zone, if you're just, for example, you're, uh, you've been preoccupied with a particular interest, going out of that box and learning more about other fields, especially with your heritage, where field culture and such, will be a great start mm-hmm. That um, from which uh, different projects, essays, uh, activities, books, or such will uh, will will be produced.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I like the word curiosity instead of obsession because a lot of people think <laughs> you have to be obsessed or extremely focused on one thing for you to be considered someone who's good at it or someone who's genuinely into it. You know, I I feel like curiosity is just as important and maybe even better than obsession because I feel like when you're obsessed, you get too focused and your mindset or your gaze, your peripheral vision gets narrowed.
1: Yes, and also maybe another idea connected with your concept of obsession is that sense of fetishizing. I think it's the um, inclination of fetishizing or exploiting a particular cultural item, artifact, or person for the sake of extracting information from it with we, uh, with the hindsight of your personal gain. So I think that's also one of the dangers that we should also take notice of when we write about our culture and heritage. There are also stories or people, although they may share their cultural, especially when it comes to groups or tribal groups or ethnic groups, uh, they may share, but they may opt not to have their stories published I think I heard uh, something about that when it comes to a uh, particular thesis, they interview this particular group and this group or these elders share their stories or their myths with this person, but uh, they asked for their stories not to be published for public consumption. So I think a sense of respect is also should be un, should be considered when it comes to writing or exploring more about about uh, Philippines, especially when it comes to different groups
0: for sure and speaking of writing what tips or advice do you have for listeners who want to be published on (laughs) young blood
1: simple maybe just write and just do it what held me back before was my idea was that i always told myself that something will also be published but i was not submitting so the first step is just to write and just do it maybe just think of it apart from uh, from yourself as a writer. To have your byline on a national paper is um, t- for you also for your voice for your idea to to bridge or to communicate with others and in a way inspire them as well, not as a person as a student or as a writer in general because that sense of inspiration is something that I I really I really value when it comes to the outputs that we do where uh, either it's writing music or other fields of arts or other fields of interest. It's really more about inspiring others, empowering them that they can do as well whatever it is that you're doing.
0: Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. What a wonderful conversation about writing and art culture and everything in between. (laughs) Kevin, thank you so much. And just to end this on a lighter note, you know, just something that I want (laughs) to segue to. What's something that you find exciting right now?
1: Maybe this is so, somehow a weird answer but the sense of uncertainty that we're experiencing right now heightened by the pandemic is something that excites me i, I know it's ironic and no. it's no
0: yeah i totally <laughs> get that i feel like honestly at first i was extremely pissed but now that i see it it just goes to show that we have so many cracks we have so many opportunities to solve the problem in our own little way and i just want to plug i'm working with novid right now and basically, what we are is we are an app that is like a COVID 19 radar. And based on Bloomberg, which has the biggest database for COVID 19 vaccinations and cases, it will take seven years, seven years for us to go back to normal. And what we do in our app, Novid, so I'm working with Dr. Potion Loa, a mathematician and national coach of the US Math Olympic and What we're doing back there is we just really want to reinforce normalcy back into our lives by using this app with, of course, the use of vaccines, with the use of proper social distancing measures. So we can definitely reopen schools. We can definitely reopen companies with what we're doing. And we're trying to advocate for that so that governments will listen and buy in. So yeah, I just wanted to plug that for a quick bit. <laughs> Thank you.
1: That's, that's NOVID again?
0: Yeah, it's capital N-O as in NO. And then basically, the okay. ID. And it, yeah. I realized it has a catchy name because it says no to COVID. Yes, COVID.
1: Yeah. Nice. Yes, it is. is it available now? Yeah, it's actually. With your app?
0: Yeah, you can download it on your App Store if you're on Android and from your iStore if you're on iPhones. And what's interesting about it is that you don't need to be connected to the internet for you to use it all the time. You just have to enable your location and your Bluetooth for it to work. And it doesn't take up a lot of your battery or your storage, and it doesn't even require any personal data. It's completely anonymous, and that's what made me really advocate for it and fight for it up until now. So it's been up since March last year. April, it was out. But up until now, it's not world-renowned because there's just so much hurdles, and that's what we're trying to fix.
1: It's been up since last year, and uh, this is the only time I've heard of it. That's a a nice project, and thank you for sharing that with us. I will check it out later. Yes,
0: for sure. I really hope it gets used by a lot soon. Yeah, and we had an interview about that with the head of the Philippine team of NOVID, with Dribagat Singh. So he's in a gap year, and he's headed to Harvard next year. And so since he has a lot of time, he's working on implementing it. And we've caught them through a lot of milestones. It's been a wonderful ride with him so far. I'm, I'm really grateful. So yeah, if you want more information about that, you could check episode 20, which is specifically Christmas Wishes featuring Vicente Villan. And then there's a special segment on Novid with Dribagat Singh.
1: Thanks. For that. I'll, I'll check this out.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Oh, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad for cutting you off. No, that's... You were talking about the uncertainty and how it <laughs> excites you. And honestly, to me, it's exciting and at the same time scary. So I totally get you.
1: Yes, you mentioned earlier that before it, uh, really, it was really affecting you. The same as me but i think right now we got through it and we not really a sense of dumbness about it or we're not dumb about it but it's more of we've come to to rationalize things and organize our thoughts about it that we've come to accept it and we, we just deal with it day by day
0: exactly amazing conversation once again i learned so much from
1: you and had so much fun kevin thank you so much likewise thank you
0: Kevin Amante, 26, works at Laguna State Polytechnic University. He is currently taking up Master of Arts in Communication Arts at the University of the Philippines, Los Baños. He is fond of writing creative nonfiction, reading books, and watching coming-of-age films. This has been the Youngblood Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have any suggestions as to which works to feature on our next episodes, please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or to DM us on Instagram. We're also on other social media platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter. So if you want, please go ahead and give us a follow. We appreciate each and every one of you. I'd also like to thank everyone who's been with us since day one. You guys are the real heroes behind this podcast. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Thank you very much. This has been Leah Angela Schalke. Thanks for listening. Until next time.